week, another Wednesday, another episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Crescent Sports Report. I'm your host, Troy Schrader, back with Evan Barr, uh-huh. Austin Hernandez. What's up? Cole's not here today. Uh, he's got a sore throat, said he didn't want to be coughing in the mic, so won't be here, won't be joining us today. Um, but today is our last episode of the semester. Semester's winding down, exam's coming up. But with that, got, got a graduation in the room. Austin, graduating within a week, is going to be leaving us. Yeah, so it's kind of, it went by quick. Um, It was a blast to be invited to this podcast. I know we only got seven episodes in, but it was a blast talking sports with y'all. I really appreciate the invite. So I know there are plans to start it up again next semester and hopefully in the future. So I'll definitely be listening in from wherever I end up. Sounds good. I But we appreciate you being with us. I feel like we've assembled like an Avengers-type cast here. <laughs> feel like we've got a pretty good squad. Just sounds good. we got a lot of guys talking a lot of different sports, entertaining, you know, just exactly what we were hoping to do. But uh, so, Evan, you weren't with us last episode. Any, uh, any thoughts on the playoffs so far? We were going to talk about it a little bit, but we saved it. So, biggest takeaway so far, Trey Young reminds me of Brandon Roy. In that he is in one man showcase. He's really, really talented and can take over games, but he's also not anything incredibly special. And it kind of shows. He has some games like this game he had last night, where he literally was the only reason that the Hawks beat the Celtics. But he's on an okay team. We haven't really seen an absolute explosion as a superstar, even though he had that big win against the Knicks um, in that playoff series. That was what two years ago, or was that last year? I think it was two years ago because I think they got beat by Milwaukee, and then Milwaukee went. That's on the yeah, that's what I thought. I thought it was two because I think the Hawks might have missed the playoffs last year. This did they? Like, they might have. I think they. Yeah, I think they did. I want to say they did. Then they traded for Deontay Murray, and then that just didn't go well. I mean, not not bad, but like no. obviously hoping to get back to the Eastern Conference Finals. Not looking likely. They're down what three one right now. Or is it 3-2? 3-2, okay. Yeah, because they won last yeah. night, so now it's going back to yeah, Atlanta. But that's, that's a big right. takeaway from that series. Jimmy Butler is definitely Michael Jordan's illegitimate son. It is absolute factual now. I don't care about the paternity test. That's what he does. I got a, I got a question, just because you watch NBA. is is this Was that series expected? Like Miami to just control more? So, one, Giannis got hurt. So I did see that. That's big part. Chris Middleton is still not the normal Chris Middleton. Their defense has not been that great. It's been weird. The way Miami's playing this year isn't like a normal Miami team. Like Usually they're very structured, very organized. They play very fluent. And I mean, at first they were not at all because I think Tyler, Tyler Hero kind of plays a big role in kind of jumbling their team up a little bit. So his injury obviously, now they're playing more of what I feel like is more like how Spolstra and Pat Riley run things. But then Oladipo goes down. So now you're thinking that two of their better wings are both hurt. I can't believe they won. I mean, clearly last game it was just because Jimmy Butler had a nuclear explosion. But I I did not see this coming. I honestly thought it would be a four or five game series. Again, Giannis getting hurt affects things. I want to know how hurt he really is because I guess we'll see. I'm excited to see game six, how it goes. Because I feel like if – or is it six? Might be five. It'll be game five. Because I think yeah. series is 3-1. Yeah, 3-1 for the Heat, yeah. So if Giannis is able to, like, drop 40 points and the Bucks win by 15-plus tonight, then we'll, it'll be a series. But obviously if they lose, they're going to lose. I just want to see if Giannis is really that hurt. If he is hurt, you're not going to see an insane Giannis performance. If he's not hurt, even more props to Miami for still figuring out how to beat him. 
but I mean, it's kind of a, it's just a weird series that I didn't see coming, but Miami is not a normal eight seed. Like Miami is a legit team. They're way better than like the Timberwolves over in the West. So mm-hmm. when you got a good program, a good coach and a superstar like Jimmy Butler who plays offense and defense and can control games, big stuff there. I would really like to see the Heat come, like, just win the entire thing. Come out of the play-in, and then you've got Jimmy Butler, who's historically a fantastic playoff performer. If he somehow just wills this team to win a championship, that would be insane. Like, I don't know what would be more insane if he did it this year or in 2020 if the Heat would have won those finals. Yeah, I mean, both times, they're not, they were not supposed to be, like, they're as good as they are. And it's purely because of Jimmy Butler. I remember watching those 2020 finals because my roommate was uh, – he was a Celtics fan, so we watched the Eastern Conference final. Obviously, Miami won. That was – I mean, that kind of got me a little bit into basketball, but obviously I haven't really kept up. But that was that was something else. Just because you're right, they weren't – like, Miami wasn't expected to go that far. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, bu- bubble, bubble basketball was weird. Um, well, yeah, that too. Prime yep. T.J. Warren had us thinking he was prime LeBron for eight games. Yeah, <laughs> dropping like three 50-point games in eight games or something like that. Yeah. So I saw this tweet today. This is kind of sticking with the Jimmy Butler train. If you look at the best playoff games in Heat history, according to game score, I don't know how much you guys really put, how much stock you put in the game score, Jimmy Butler currently holds seven of the top nine spots, and his game the other night was number one in Heat history. If the Heat were to win the championship this year and Jimmy Butler continues his tear, do you think there is an argument to be made that he's the best Heat player of all time? No. You don't think so? No. I'm sorry. I think the best Heat playoff performer, I should say, because obviously I think D-Wade's going to have him have him sweat. So I would say best Heat player of all time, well, greatest Heat player of all time would be Dwayne Wade. The best Heat player of all time was LeBron. And Jimmy just isn't there. One, he hasn't been there long enough to compete with what those guys did. And Dwayne Wade's 2006 championship, even if the Heat somehow won it this year, that was even a bigger accomplishment for me at least. Kind of obviously, I wasn't was kind of young, so watching that, I didn't really see or know basketball at the time. Um, But I've gone back and tried to watch some games from 2006, watch the teams they had to play, how they played, that kind of stuff. And for that Heat team to win was ridiculous. And Dwayne Wade was supersonic the entire league it was the entire thing it was crazy what he did um i don't know how much i trust that that's seven that jimmy has seven of the nine best playoff performances by heat players ever um there's definitely got to be some that like lebron is there one with lebron against the celtics in 2011 i think when they like won in six games or something like that seven games the two LeBron games that are on here, the other two are LeBron. It's LeBron in 2014 and LeBron in 2012. Couldn't tell you the series. It only lists yeah. a year. So I don't think that's true, and especially because Dwayne Wade should have one on there because there was one game in the finals in 2006 where Dwayne Wade, like, I don't, I don't even know if he really had a good first half, but his second half he went so insane that they, like, broke, like, a 20-point deficit and won. So that I can't believe that's not on there. So, again, but I do think Jimmy Butler does have a lot of – really good games and again because he's a offensive and defensive guy who's not even a big three-point shooter I love watching him play because you don't see a lot of tacticians anymore in basketball like obviously Gerard Rosen's definitely one there's still some guys that do that here and there but obviously as basketball evolved into all just three and D guys you kind of don't see those guys that can actually manipulate and take over games and so I, I really enjoy watching Jimmy Butler yeah I'm looking at the uh the formula to how how to calculate game score to see how they came about this. I really don't know where in the stat sheet Jimmy's overtaken Dwayne, like you said, in 2006 finals. 
But to get it, it just basically weights certain aspects of the box score. Points scored plus, in parentheses, 0.4 times field goals, minus, in parentheses, 0.7 times field goal attempts, minus 0.4 times free throw attempts, minus free throws made, plus... 0.7 times offensive rebounds, plus 0.3 times defensive <laughs> rebounds, plus steals, plus 0.7 times assists, plus 0.7 times blocks, minus 0.4 times personal fouls, minus your turnovers. So a little complicated, and I don't – I feel like it's – like reading it off, it's kind of hard to follow, but looking at it, it's really not that difficult. Just wait some things more than others. Obviously, you know, you're taking a lot of field goal attempts. So you're you're going to get about 0.4 compared to like a block. You're getting two a game. You're getting a decent amount towards your score. That that formula reminds me of like a teacher saying, "There will be a quiz on this next week. You better remember this formula." Yeah, and they just list it all off. Don't write it down anywhere. You're like, yeah. "The hell!" Yeah, gotta try to look it up and find it, and you just can't find shit. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of all that number stuff. As a science person, numbers are life for data and all that kind of stuff for everything I do. But when it comes to basketball, sometimes the eye test is more important, and also you can't wait. Like this is a first round series, like. How do you weight this as the best heat game of all time when there have been guys in the finals that have gone off? And you're not going to put that, like, moment matters. And so, again, this is big series, big series, important series. And against Giannis, who's arguably the best player in basketball right now, whether or not he is hurt, he's still probably top 10, even at his worst injury at the moment. But, yeah, I don't I don't know about the game score thing. Since you brought it up, like, as as fans, like, how much do you weight towards analytics versus, like, legitimately the eye test as you brought up? Because, like, just relating it back to hockey because that's my sport. Like, everyone's like, oh, you know, their goals force times 60 plus whatever hell stat you can come up with. This is really bad. But, like, he's doing the intangibles, like, that you don't – like, they don't show up on the stat sheet. Mm-hmm. So, like, as fans, like, of NBA, like – what I guess the question is, what percentage is the eye test? What percentage is the analytics? Is it 50-50? Is it more? So I look at team successes and how they run their organizations. Best organizations in basketball are, or in the NBA are probably Golden State, Miami. You could probably put Boston up there, but Boston really hasn't done too too much recently. I mean, they're obviously like obviously Eastern Conference Finals every year kind of team, but they haven't won a championship since Paul Pierce and all of them. And if I had to put another really good organization, maybe the Spurs. No Thunder? No, no Thunder. But I mean, hey, they, you look at the past like three, four years, they are constantly teams that are like, oh, they're going to be playing for the lottery. And then they somehow get into the playoffs and play decent while also having, it seems like, six million first-round picks over the next three years. So that is because they have a buttload of young people, and young people play hard. And so during the regular season, they're going to get good spots because they're going to outplay every other team they play. Whether or not they have the skill to beat them, that domain, like that night-by-night basis. But when you play harder than the opponent, you're going to win a lot more games than you probably should. Whereas you look at like the Rockets, those dudes don't play hard, and they're bad. So they suck. So, and I mean, and then the Pistons, the Pistons are not good, but they play hard. They're bad because their skill level is just that much lower than everybody else's. Plus, obviously, Kate Cunningham's injured, but whatever. I'm not going to get into that kind of stuff. In terms of analytics, I look at eye test more in how they run their organization and then how they succeed. So, I look at those kind of big programs I named. At the moment, the Warriors don't really play analytics that much. Obviously, they shoot a lot of threes, but you also look, they let Steph do Steph things, which is just... That's beyond analytics. That's just a basketball player. Andrew Wiggins also is kind of a mid-range guy. Klay Thompson takes a lot of mid-range jump shots. Draymond Green cannot shoot threes, but he's always out there playing a bunch of minutes. Gary Payton II, defensive 
guy, not really a big three-point shooter. Like, so you look at, like, the, how their team is built up, obviously, Jordan Poole. I feel like Jordan Poole is probably the most analytics player on that team in terms of how they would use him. And they're one of the best – recently, they're one of the best teams. You look at the Spurs. The Spurs have gone all in on analytics recently, and the Spurs have been horrific. So I think there's something to be said, at least in terms of, like, the long two versus three theory that they have. But at the end of the day, if you look at every successful team, and then you can you can even push this into college, all the best teams don't really use their analytics in terms of letting numbers run their team. They let their players and their coach decide what's the best way for us to win. How do we get guys going? How do we get build guys' confidence in game? And not just saying, let's yank a shitload of threes. Yeah. Because that's kind of what the Kings are doing. The Kings are kind of playing the analytics game. But they're also letting their guys – those guys are young and play with so much passion that sometimes it's better to – that. and Mike Brown's a great coach – to not even push the analytics. He's like, yes, we want to shoot a lot of threes. If you're open, take the three. It's an open shot. It's a great shot. But at the same time, he also lets those guys really play basketball. They run a lot of pick and roll. They do a lot of dump downs. They do a lot of handoffs, all that kind of stuff that is kind of outside analytics as well. Yeah, I, I just ask because I see this argument a lot in baseball about how analytics ruin the sport. So uh, I, 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 I don't know if I say I agree because analytics are important in some aspects. Like you, you do need to know at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like the – it's not the main argument this year. Just I'm just going to bring it back to the Cardinals because they've been absolutely atrocious the first 25 games of the season. But um, they, the, the manager like makes decision based off, okay, his splits are better in this like situation versus this other guy that's in the lineup so we're going to sub him. And then it's a strikeout, and you're you got the armchair GMs on Twitter like, what the hell are you making this decision for? That was boneheaded. Like, why why the hell are you doing this? So, like seeing like you mentioned like these the the great teams that you consider great not really focusing on analytics is kind of kind of eye opening, I think, especially in a world where everything is driven by analytics. My number one point, and those of those people that know me, maybe they'll say I'm biased, but. One of the main, one of my favorite players is Andre Iguodala, and he's not flashy. He used to be a big dunker, but since I've kind of become a fan of him, he's not a super freak athlete, not a great three-point shooter. A lot of the things that make players exciting, he doesn't do a lot of that stuff. He's a really good defender. He's got great hands. That's, but if you look at his box score after every game in high school, I really like looked into box scores a lot, and I tried to always watch what his like stat sheets were to be like. Because in high school, I was more of a, a role player, helper player. So I was trying to like kind of see where his stats were in terms of where should I maybe aim for a lot of my stuff because I'm not going to be a big scorer. I'm not going to be big in a lot of things. I'm not going to be a big rebounder. But where can I be helpful to the team? And I would look, and I'd get really discouraged looking at his box score because there would be games the Warriors would win by 35 points. Iguodala would play for 25 minutes, and he would have like four points, one assist, two rebounds, three fouls. 60% from the free throw line, like just really weird. St- his plus minus was maybe like a plus six. And I'm like, that is that really that? That's not that good. Like, yeah. no, like nothing about that makes you think, yeah, that guy really makes that team tick. But I would also listen to a lot of things that Steve Kerr and then Mark Jackson, who kind of was there when Iggy kind of first started getting there, all that kind of stuff. And I'd obviously watch those games as well. And him as a player, he does so many things that are on no stat sheets anywhere. Part of it is being a glue guy. Part of that's being an effort guy. Part of that is not having any sort of ego and 
maybe he has obviously they don't record it maybe he has tons of hockey assists he has lots of deflections like he has a lot of those kinds of things and so in other sports I can't really attest to it but in basketball those types of guys are extremely extremely valuable because they don't need the ball in their hand they don't need to get any recognition or credit they don't have to score a lot of points to be having a good game for them it's more about how do I just make the team better regardless of what that job is and so that's one thing where I think players like that kind of go beyond the analytics and that's why I don't put as much pressure into analytics obviously it's still important and still impressive and if a guy has a negative 40 plus minus in four games okay maybe he's on just a terrible team because like you may look at like Bradley Beal Bradley Beal's a very very good player he's on the Wizards he's probably going to have a negative plus minus over the past like 10 years of his career because they just always lose that's not his fault he's a great player if you put him on the Warriors and traded him for Clay. Bradley Beal would be one of the best players in the NBA, and Klay Thompson would just be that guy that's a pretty good scorer, but he's on a crappy team, and he's got a terrible plus-minus. He's just meh. So yeah. that's kind of where looking into numbers, I feel like at some point you, there does need to be a cutoff line, and then I think those organizations that set that cutoff line are the ones that are going to succeed. And I, I think – sorry, Troy. I, I think it's important to have those glue guys because, as you mentioned, like Iguodala, like it's, it's the intangibles. Like, yeah, you're not seeing – 20 points, like 10 rebounds, like a triple-double, like every game. But it's the small things. And, like, the one that comes up to me, and I see it in hockey all the time, like the 2019 Blues team that won the Stanley Cup, we were driven by our fourth line. And they were the hard hitters. They were the – they, they like, trapped the puck along the boards. They, they did the dirty stuff. Um, and then it would allow, like, our top line, like our star players, to follow them up and then get a goal. And you see that all the time. Like, a, a lot of people are like, oh, we need the flashy players like, you know, Steph Curry, LeBron James, or, you know, Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon. And then, like, every every championship, you're like, their less known players did a lot more than the star players because they really set the tone. So I think it is important to have those people on any team. So I think, uh, <clears throat> like Austin said, and like Emma's making this point, you have those glue guys that just really bring the team together. You said Andre Goodall, the first person that pops in my head when I think glue guy is Jay Crowder. Yep. Um, they have so many plays in sports like basketball and hockey that don't show up in the stat books where it's like someone watching will be like, wow, that's a great play, but he's not going to get any recognition for it. But if you, so that's why I think that individual analytics get too deep into it. It's just kind of a moot point because there are so many things that players might not get recognition for. But then in a sport like baseball, everything has a number that you can set to it. Like if you look like luck is a big part. So you look at hitters, you might be like, Oh, sometimes like beforehand you'd line out in the book, but it's an out. So you don't get any credit for that. Now they have stat cast in every stadium, you know, exactly how hard you're hitting the ball, where you're making contact with it in the zone, where like the launch angle on it, you can see your hard hit percentage, like your quality of contact. You see everything, like how lucky you're getting, how unlucky you're getting. So looking at those analytics, you can see how they, how they should be performing. And it just really breaks everything down super well. So that's why I think individually baseball makes more sense for analytics because you can just give everything a number. But with basketball and a team sport like that, you have to look at the team analytics. I think that once you get too deep into it, it's just like making shit up at that point. Like I think there's a fine – like Evan said, there's a fine line that you just need to cut it off. Cole loves to just make up his own stats all the time where he's he's just some ridiculous ESPN stat. He's, he's not even here. We're still like dogging on him. <laughs> it's I'm not even dogging on him. It's funny though because he'll be like, dude, this is the most ESPN ass stat I've ever seen. This is the most amount of points ever scored by a player who ate Chipotle before the game, took a shit, then uh, had 13 assists, named LeBron, born on December 31st. You, you want to talk about an ESPN stat? I was watching um, 
I think I don't remember. It was it was a playoff game, NHL playoff game, and the stat was how many like their their playoff stats, and like they had, uh, it was it was the Seattle uh, Colorado game. Um, one of the Seattle players just had a baby. So after they like showed the picture of like the the new baby, the the stat line was playoff so far, and then goals one, baby one. I was like, what the hell? That reminds me of that one graphic uh, with uh, Philip Rivers, and it was like they were going through like Pro Bowls, passing yards, passing touchdown, and at the bottom puts children, and it was like some young quarterback's like twenty three zero. Philip Rivers nine. <laughs> yeah, like okay, here's the, so I watch. Obviously, I'm from Indianapolis, big Pacer fan, all that stuff. And I remember there was one when it was – now it's Bally Sports, right? Well, can I make a guess? Sports. Yeah. Is this the Thad Young one? Yes. Okay, so I love that I one. I got it pulled up. So I remember I watched this, and this is where numbers piss me off. It's players with 800 games to average 13.5 points, 5.9 rebounds, 1.4 steals, 49% field goals, and 30% three-point field goals percentage. Magic, Larry, Mike, Braun, Thad Young. Like – Come on, man. Like, wow, great. The guy did that. But, like, what if you said 13.6 points, 6.0 rebounds, 1.5 steals, 50% field goals, and 31% three-point field goals? He probably like he probably only made that by like one point of a percent for every stat or something. Or I one think if point- you change change it only to six point oh, he's probably averaging five point nine. That's why they had to just move it down. You move it to yeah, six point exactly. oh, he's probably not even on that list. No. Yeah, so that's like my whole thing. Like sometimes these stats just get absolutely out of hand and ridiculous, and that's where what was it? I was gonna make two points. One of them was in terms of like basketball analytics, it's not. Yes, it's important to have these numbers and stuff, but at the end of the day, it's okay. Here, here we go. Think of like playing 2K on an Xbox, PlayStation, whatever. The games got encoded into it, all of the statistics. You run the game, nobody's playing. You put both your controllers on the CPU and you let the game play the game, and you're going to get this outcome. You could play the game again, obviously. Let's say you and your friend are about as evenly matched as you can possibly get in a 2K game. And you're playing, you're playing, close game, close game. Maybe in the the simulation, it was like it ended up being like a three-point game for one team. You're close, you're close the whole time. And maybe partway through the third quarter, you, like, just get a breakaway steal, do like a 360 dunk. You get all of a sudden insanely hyped. You're feeling great. You're getting confident. Your friend goes down, takes a quick three, completely misses. You go down, and all of a sudden, you're feeling really good, and all of a sudden, the game just completely changed. You were going back and forth the whole time. It was really close, and all of a sudden, one thing happens. One guy builds confidence. One guy gets hyped. The other guy, all of a sudden, is just making kind of quick, dumb decisions, thinking he's now behind a little bit, and all of a sudden, you win by 15. Mm -hmm. If we go off of numbers, why play the games anymore? You can simulate every outcome of every possible thing. We've got AI in our pockets now with, like, the Snapchat thing. That's so annoying. (laughs) Like, but you would never have to play a single game, and that's why sports are so great. Is that they're not a lot of times there's no numbers to drive it. So it's just let the passion and the emotion and the the talent and all that kind of stuff actually play out on the court. Let people get the yips. Let people get nervous. Let people get stressed out and fail and get ruined and have be booed. And that's that's why sports are so great because it's not only the high stuff. It's for all the teams that have to go through all the low points. So that when they start winning, all of a sudden it's so much better for you. That that's why like the playoffs in any sport are just so like amazing. Just because like yeah, you have a great team like the one seed, and they're like yeah, they're probably gonna win, but you just never know what's gonna happen. 
in any sport, and that's what it, it's awesome. And I, I'm looking this up right now because it kind of got me thinking analytics. Because I, so I'm looking at the NBA net ratings right now in the playoffs so far, which obviously small sample size, but net rating is one that I know a lot of people look into to just try to individualize a player's uh, rating or impact on a team. Right now, here's the top 10 for net rating in the playoffs. Caleb Martin, number one. Number two, Duncan Robinson. Number three, DeAnthony Melton. Number four, Emmanuel Quickly. Number five, Jalen McDaniels. Number six, Joel Embiid. Seven, Torrey Craig. Eight, Kyle Lowry. Nine, Jeff Green. Ten, Tobias Harris. Before you go on, guess how many points Torrey Craig scored last night and the Suns closed out of the Clippers? None. That was going to be my first guess. Did not score a single point, and he's on the top ten net rating right now. Yeah, it's... That's weird. that is why people will say that net rating is a pretty good calculator because it shows hey you don't have to just go out and drop thirty to be important there are so many other things in basketball but there are also times that net rating is wrong and not totally valuable and no stat will ever tell the whole story that's why like I I hate to do this I'm a biology major I do a lot of lab reports I do a lot of data stuff I write a lot of papers we never you never post data you always have to post data and then explain and interpret and say what it means in multiple contexts and all that kind of stuff because data isn't everything and so that's where I really hope that sports don't get too data driven and that's why again this is why when they do like MVPs or all these awards and stuff at the end of the year the media votes on them people vote on them they obviously they can look up their stats but at the end of the day it's a person watching the game i really hope Embiid wins because if no matter what the stats are between Embiid and Jokic right now if you watched Jokic or Embiid especially down like the last 20 games the last stretch there you cannot tell me that he is less valuable to his team than Nikola Jokic is he is more valuable to that team and he is a he played better and made his team win and didn't shy to the occasion, whereas the Nuggets kind of started looking soft there for a moment. Like, that's the whole human aspect that you got to have. You can't just say, all right, let's see, who scored more points? Okay, tick mark for him. Who scored more assists? Okay, tick mark for him. Who had more rebounds? Tick mark for him. Whose net rating was better? Tick mark for him. Whose team, whatever, the team, like, where do they rank? How many wins, losses? What was their standing? Tick marks here. Like, at some point, you're going to be like, Embiid just single-handedly took over a game. He scored 20 points with 20 rebounds, and they won by 40, and it was because of Joel Embiid. And then you go look, and Nikola Jokic had 35 points with 15 rebounds, and their team lost by six. And if you look at just the stats other than that win-loss, most people are going to just be like, oh, okay, Jokic clearly had the better game here. He had 35 points. Embiid only scored 20. But if you watch the game, you're like, Embiid made this game a game and made them win. And so that's why you can't just go off of numbers. I've got two things. One, I wish that war would be used more in basketball. I know that it is a stat, and it's really big in baseball. I wish that it was had a little bit more stock held in it for basketball because at the end of the day, everything you're trying to – like every numerical value they're trying to set to a player, every rating you're trying to assign to them, you're trying to use that to build your team to win. I wish that you could just use it to see how many more wins – you're giving your team based off of the average player at your position, which is exactly what war hopes to do. It stands for wins above replacement, but I feel like no one ever talks about it. And I see like barely any stats. And I wish that was something that maybe, maybe the formula is a little flawed and it's gives skewed data. I wish that they could clean that up and it be used a little bit more because I know in baseball, it's getting more and more popular. I do like that. But 
The second thing is, to your MVP uh, voting, or awards voting in general for that matter, I wish that there was kind of a mix between human voters and maybe just like data voters or computer voters, because I, I do really like the human element where people value things differently, people just use the eye test, they might not watch, uh, they might not watch the stats as much. But then you've also got different definitions because most valuable player could be who is the best player. Most valuable players also means who is most valuable to their team. I think that voter fatigue, this comes down to the human thing. I think that voter fatigue is one of the dumbest things that happens in sports. Because if Jokic wins the MVP this year, good. Jokic is a good player. Like, does he deserve it? Probably not over Joel Embiid, but like he's probably the second best, most deserving player this year. But you cannot tell me that Nikola Jokic winning three straight MVPs should be allowed when LeBron has only won four in his career and never won three in a row. LeBron is the best player in the NBA with uh, since Michael Jordan, obviously greatest player of all time is a debate, but you cannot tell me that LeBron James only won it four times in a row because he was the best player for a span of like 12 years, the best player in the entire league. And then you look in baseball, you see Shohei Otani. He won the MVP, not this past year, but the year before that he puts up insane numbers. How do you beat that? You put up really good numbers one year. They're like, wow, MVP, put up really good numbers the next year, MVP. Oh, well, he put up the exact same numbers the past two years. He's not improving. Can't give him the MVP. Well, those numbers won the MVP last two years. How's he not it again? Like, I think voter fatigue sucks ass. So, to combat that, remember when Russell Westbrook got a triple-double, averaged the triple-double and won MVP? His team was not good. They barely made the playoffs. Was he really that valuable to the Thunder? No, not really. If you talk to anybody in basketball, whether or not it was – I mean, it was between him and James Harden – he won. You could go both ways. Do you? Do I think either of them are better than LeBron James or technically more valuable to their teams than LeBron James? No. But the MVP has become more than just, obviously it is not just the most valuable player. It should be renamed player of the year and then also have the MVP. Because at the end of the day, like for the past, like, I mean, obviously for that span for LeBron, basically once he was like late years on the Cavs until going back to the Cavs, you could make you the, the argument, and it's not even really an argument, is that LeBron James was the most valuable player to his team for that entire stretch. It, it's not close. Every in year terms, he's on the Cavs. In terms of player of the year, Steph Curry deserved both of his in 15 and 16. James Harden deserved his. Westbrook deserved his when he was the first guy since Oscar Robinson to average a triple-double. So that's where the MVP has become both. And sometimes one outweighs the other, which I kind of enjoy. Again, when Steve Nash won that one over Kobe, when Kobe was averaging like 30-something points a game, like 37, like 5, 34, whatever that was. And Kobe was, again, the Lakers weren't phenomenal, but Kobe Bryant was clearly the best player in the entire National Basketball Association. And without him, that team would have not even been like the 12th seed in the West. Like, okay. Was he the most valuable player to his team? Yes. Was he also the player of the year? Probably. Steve Nash won. How does that make – so, like, that's where I do kind of have some sympathy, and I also enjoy a little bit of how the MVP gets voted on because it is a little bit different, but you're absolutely right. I fe- I just feel like they need to make a new award, make the MVP the true, who's the most valuable player on their team. Like, this year you could probably make the case that Steph should be there. I don't know if LeBron would even be there because he got hurt and they went on that run to get into the playoffs while he was injured. You could probably, I mean, Giannis probably should have it the past like six, like three or four years now, but I think they need to kind of split that up and just have a player of the year who was the guy that was the standout guy all year, regardless of anything else, 
and then you also have the MVP. But then again, no one's going to want to do that because then all of a sudden they're going to be like, oh, now we're going to compare LeBron to Jordan. LeBron's got only four MVPs, but he's got six player of the years or like weird stuff like that. So then people are going to use it in all sorts of debates and how to rank like top 75, which they already screwed up the top 75. So then that's where a bunch of those kinds of things come into play. I have uh, three points to go off of that. One, love the idea that they need to introduce a new award. I think that would be fantastic. I mean, shit, maybe you could go back and if you got some people that want to do this, you can go back, watch old games, do the eye test, maybe just go back, look at numbers, but you give out a player of the year award for every year that you've given out an MVP and then maybe it kind of equals out rather than just having a new award introduced like now. But I do think that's a great idea because, like I said, the criteria changes every year for an MVP. Two, to uh, Steve Nash, your point to that about how Kobe Bryant probably deserved that. I believe it was over the past 40 years, only twice has a player won MVP, averaging less than 20 points per game, both years for Steve Nash MVP years, which is just kind of a statistical anomaly. Obviously, we've talked about different ways that you can be valuable to your team, but points is not everything. And then, God damn it, what was that last point? Son of a bitch, I hate when they do this. Was it chronological to my points? Yes, it was. What was the last thing that you said? Maybe that'll get a jog about, my memory. Like how the most valuable player was like it's been it would have been LeBron for that massive stretch. Um, now it's Steph or Giannis, not Jokic or Embiid. Yeah, I have no idea what I was gonna say. Uh, well damn, that really puts a damper on things. Oh my goodness, that's just the worst. God, you're, I hate you're, that. You're, you're gonna be editing this later tonight and you'll be like, yep, Oh yeah, th- there it is. Yeah. yeah. This is unfiltered though, baby. We don't edit shit. <laughs> I, I cut it in half it. if it if we have the file size too big and we have to put it into two two halves I cut it in half at a spot that makes sense and then I put one up one episode out and then the other one out as part to, or as normally like five and a half is which is, is what we would do there but yeah I, if I go back and listen to it, I'm gonna be like damn that's what my point was it's definitely gonna be that maybe if it'll just pop up later on the episode I'll just throw it out there don't have to get back on track or anything yeah. but oh my goodness oh, so one. I'm ticked that Cole's sick because I wanted to bring this up with Cole because obviously you may not have got into it enough last week. But I wanted to talk about this Kings and Warriors series. So the Warriors have still been insane at home. De'Aaron Fox has a broken finger. Draymond got suspended and they won. Harrison Barnes missed a wide-open shot that would have won one of those games and they could have been up 3-1. That's what I wanted to ask you. Your ho- Your thoughts about the Draymond Green play. Okay, so That's what here we go. I oh, this is going to be really, really hard for me to say. I love Draymond Green. I would hate him on every other team if he wasn't on one of my teams that I cheer for. Not because I hate Draymond Green the person, but because he's one of those guys that if he's on your team you love him, if he's not on your team you hate him. I think those are some of the best players in the NBA. Like, yeah, they're absolutely. so polarizing. You they're need, awesome. You need in, in any sport to be honest. You need hatred in sports. It's fuel. But anyway, I despise dirty plays and dirty players. Demontis Sabonis was a Pacer guy, so I'm I'm a Pacer guy, so I like Demontis Sabonis and I root for him and stuff. Draymond Green. I'm angry that he decided the best way to go about that was stomping on Demontis Sabonis. I love that he stomped on DeMontis Sabonis. I am appalled by DeMontis for trying to grab Draymond Green's leg. I love that he was trying to bait the other team, one of the other team's better players to try and get him in trouble, which he did. 
and this is where it's so hard for me to like actually have a opinion on this because so me growing up I am I was always a very nice person a nice player I got yelled at by my coach for helping a guy on the other team up after I just knocked him down because it was the play kept going there wasn't like a stoppage in play and I like stopped to help the guy up and my coach was like you can apologize after the game you keep playing like stuff like that so I was always the nice guy and so I would never personally do things to injure another player at the same time, this, like, goading superstars that people are talking about right now where they're, like, the same thing with Embiid where Claxton's, like, stepping over Embiid and it makes Embiid kick the guy. And the whole Dylan Brooks thing right now. The whole Dylan Brooks poking the bear for LeBron and all that. Okay. That's so funny. We can get into that later because yeah. we're talking about Draymond, but that was yeah. so funny. So I, I never want somebody to get hurt from a dirty play. I'm fine. So I'm fine with making dirty plays as long as you don't, like, intentionally hurt the guy. safe. Yeah. And if you're standing up for yourself, I have no issue with it. So, DeMontis Sabonis grabs Draymond Green's leg. I remember when uh, Del Vadova has done this, as well as Grayson Allen. People rip those two guys. Nobody's saying anything about DeMontis Sabonis doing that. And he knew who he was doing it to. Draymond wasn't even near him. Draymond was out of bounds when Sabonis was on the ground. Draymond ran past and Sabonis grabbed him. So... Come on. But Cole, Cole claims that he got hit in the throat and that He did, but not by Draymond. Yeah, but he says he got hit in the throat earlier in the game. So when Draymond walked by, he put his hands up to protect his throat because he knew people were walking by and he caught Draymond by accident yeah, when no, protecting he, he, his throat. He grabbed I, I Draymond. I don't buy that. I don't he grabbed you can watch it, Cole can say whatever. He grabbed Draymond Green's leg. And I have no problem with Draymond being the second like reacting to that. Embiid, same situation. Claxton stepping over Embiid for whatever reason. Embiid kicks up. Should you aim for a man's groin walking over you? No, but depends. Should you get warranted? Should you get stepped over for, especially when you're the better player? No, like don't don't stand for that. Stand up for yourself, especially when you're on the ground and he's in the air. Stand up for yourself. I have no problem with Embiid kicking back up with the guy. So, do I? Th- I think that. The NBA needs to almost – they either, they have to do one of two things. They have to either – if they're going to eject Draymond, they're going to have to eject DeMontis Sabonis because he caused that incident. It's not like he just, like, boxed him out, maybe hit him a little too hard, and then Draymond, like, attacks him. That That's Draymond's fault. Yeah. In this case, DeMontis Sabonis grabbed his leg and Green stepped on him because he did. So if you're going to throw Draymond Green out, you have to throw out Sabonis. If you're fine – with if you want these players to play, which is this is the stance I would take. Demontis grabs Draymond's leg, Draymond stomps on him. You give Sabonis a flagrant one, and you only give Draymond a technical, because the Sabonis started it. Even though what Draymond did was worse, quote unquote, you taunted him into doing that. So you can't instead of what they're what they're doing, and the problem is is that guys that maybe aren't as important to teams, which, again, you can make the case that DeBontis might be more important than Draymond, and Claxton is definitely not as important as Embiid, but Claxton's still important. These guys of maybe a little bit lesser important are just trying to get a rise out of the star player of the other team and get them thrown out so that now or stand then suspended for these actions. So they're basically saying trade the technical foul that Sabonis got for a flagrant two on Draymond. Why would you not do that? You got rid of one of their best players. Obviously, Warriors still ended up winning, but 
I think it goes back to like the old saying, whoever retaliates is going to get the going to get like the harsher punishment because obviously Sabonis grabbed his leg. I mean, whether or not it was intentional or not, I guess we can sit here and debate in circles. But regardless, he grabbed Draymond's leg and that caused Draymond to to retaliate. Yes, Sabonis started it, but anything that uh, Draymond did, unless he just went back and grabbed Sabonis's leg, it was going to look like a like an overreaction almost. So, it's, so he's just going to get screwed. So in phys- so I'm my case here that I'm making my point is for physical instances with Sabonis grabbing Draymond's leg. Sabonis started the problem, and this is like just how everybody hopefully has been. Or maybe not now. Parents are whacking now. How you should have been raised. You never start a fight, but you end a fight, and it doesn't matter if you started bickering with your mother and sister or your brother or sister. Your mom or dad is cutting it out immediately, but stand up for yourself. It doesn't. So, if you grab Draymond's leg, he has every right to retaliate to that because you started it and he's gonna finish it. So I have no problem with that. In terms of taunting, completely different cir- like circumstance, which maybe you could again make the case that Claxon just stepping over Embiid was more of a taunt. But I'm talking about like finger wag, stare downs, yelling in some guy's face when you dunked on him. That stuff should be completely warranted and allowed. The other guy's a grown man. If he wants to throw a fist back, whatever, then you can toss him or give him whatever. But instead, hopefully what it starts doing and what it did in the old days is that you get up, you start talking trash, and you get up a dude's face. Next play down, he's getting the ball, and he's going at you. Yeah. And that's what I want to see. Like I want to see the competitive spirit of the – now you can't even look at the other team's bench when you dunk because you can't look at the guy you dunked on and now you can't even look at the bench of the team of the guy you dunked on, or you're going to get a technical foul. Like, yeah. I think that is stupid. I'm all for taunting. Like, like this this will also sound really bad. Kevin Garnett is hilarious and awesome, and I love how much trash talk he talked. Did he maybe go too far when on Mother's Day he told Tim Duncan Happy Mother's Day the year after his mom died? That's probably a little too far. Did Tim Duncan probably respond with, I got five championships? I sure hope so. Because, like, that's the kind of stuff that's like, hey, I'm better than you, so you can just say whatever you want to say. So, and, Yeah. And this, your whole points go back to, like, a couple of episodes ago, like, where we talked about, like, having those personalities. Like, you have someone that goes down and dunks on someone. They scream in their face. And then that the guy that got dunked on goes down, like, does a power move through and gets a layup. As a fan, I'm now intrigued because mm-hmm. there is now that in-game rivalry between these two that they're probably just going to go trade. They're going to trade for shots and trade for points. And you're just like, oh, shit, this is about to be a game. And I just that, – that adds so much more. And like you said, you can't look at the bench because you're going to get thrown out. You can't, you can't even, like, do a fist pump because you're going to get thrown out. Like, that, that, that's all bullshit. And we've talked about that mm-hmm. so many times in, on this podcast about how that just ruins the complex uh, – complexity is not the right word. Integrity of the sport, is that where I'm trying to go with here? That that works, but like it, it just it ruins so much when the refs are like, you just can't do that. No, it, it adds so much to the game. As a fan, if I'm like watching on my phone, like looking up and then see the dunk, and then now I'm paying attention. I'm like, oh, these two guys are going at it. They're training shots, training points. I'm I'm invested. I want to see how that goes. So look at this Lakers Grizzlies thing. Dylan Brooks says I poke bears. LeBron's an old man. He's not that good. I don't respect anybody until they drop forty on you. How many extra people probably tuned in for that next game to try and see if LeBron would drop 40 on? Yeah. What are the most memorable memorable games of any sport? Like, you can go any sport, and you can be like, I mean, in football, you could look at if, like, Randy Moss and Ed Reed are talking to each other back and forth. Like, 
You want to tune into that matchup in basketball. If you're watching like Jordan versus, I mean, like in the play or in that finals, Jordan versus Charles Barkley, they're going one on one, mano a mano. They're like, I'm even though it's still a team sport, but it's between two dudes. Those are the the best games in all of sports of especially team sports are the ones where it's one on one and the dudes are going insane and crazy and talking, or it's the games where you have the most beautiful basketball being played. Right now, the NBA doesn't really have either, so they need more of that. And the taunting and stuff, that's going to brutalize the game a little bit more and make it more interesting, input fan base, that kind of stuff. So, again. And when you do entertaining things like that, it creates viral moments. And with social media obviously being huge the past however many years and like it's going to be for this foreseeable future, how are you not playing into that marketing and just being right. like you can make your sport and your players and your team so much bigger by playing into these, but they're punishing them and trying to get rid of them. It's like, what are you what are you going to highlight? Yeah, you can highlight the viral plays. They're already going to go viral. Like, why not take every chance you can get? Like, Joel Embiid, he did the DX suck it. I loved that. Like, yeah. I know we talked about uh, taunting a while back, and I mentioned I would love to see a guy teabag someone. <laughs> I still stand by that. I'd love to see it. But the DX suck it is amazing. And then I think Triple H from DX, like in WWE, he came and tried to pay for his fine. I love th seeing things like that because it's kind of a crossover for people that are fans like that. I think that it's just amazing. But, Evan, this back to a point a while ago. This isn't the train of thought thing. Still don't remember that. But <laughs> you said you hate dirty plays and dirty players. What are your thoughts on Chris Paul as a dirty player? Because I know that there's a difference between just mild dirty plays that like go under the radar, but then complete just blatant dirty plays that are trying to hurt somebody. I love scrappy players. I hate dirty players. So if somebody's going up on a fast break and has a dunk and they jump up in the air for that dunk and you push their legs and they flip, land on their back and are out for two months, that is a dirty play and a, that is an unmanly play. If you're playing next to some dude, you're pissed off, you both are kind of going at each other, you're pulling on their shorts, you're doing the thing where they teach you where if a guy has his like elbow kind of in your chest on defense, when you're like off the ball or going after a rebound or something, you kind of loop your arm under there, stick your arm up in the air, and now all of a sudden their arm's sticking through your elbow to look like they're fouling when you're grabbing the shit out of them. Scrappy plays, I'm all for it. I'm all for diving into a person when you're both on the ground or like in football where they say like if there's a dog pile at the bottom of that pile, which you can't see, everybody is literally just punching the crap out of each other's hands. When you stand up out of a dog pile, you step on the guy who has the ball. If he's on the other team, you step on him with your cleats, like in the arm and stuff like scrappy stuff, bringing some heat and some anger and some hatred. I'm fine with, but in terms of blatantly trying to injure another person, especially when they're unprotected. So like Vontez perfect on Antonio Brown, like things of that nature, that's just a bitch move regardless of how intense the moment is or any of that kind of stuff. If you're doing those sorts of plays, I have no respect for you as a person or a man, especially. How do you draw that line though? Like where, when does a play go from being considered scrappy to being dirty? Because I know that you say if you're going with the intention to injure someone, what if you try to make a scrappy play and you do injure somebody? I guess, I guess this is more of like a like maybe an ethics question or something, like intention versus consequences. I, I mean, I think you kind of just brought it up. It depends on the play. What's going on that's leading up to it? Like, you, you can – I feel like – I don't want to say it's easy, but, like, you can kind of sense when, like, someone's going after someone to hurt them. Like, as you mentioned, if it's a scrappy play and, like, someone gets hurt, like, you know he didn't mean that, but – it just happened. Like, I, I feel like it depends on the play, kind of like you mentioned. It just, it's, 
It's on a play-by-play basis. I think back to I don't remember who the guy was on the other team, but when Kelly or Ke- it was Kevin Love and Kelly Olynyk, when Kelly Olynyk kind of like it was kind of like that thing I just mentioned before, where like you kind of grab a guy's arm. arm and rebound, and it dislocated Kevin Love's arm in 2015 before the finals or whatever. That was a scrappy play by Olynyk. A bunch of people were pissed off at Olynyk because because he injured Kevin Love. But he wasn't trying to injure him. He was just doing normal basketball, kind of scrappy and bumpy kind of thing. So a big part of it is just looking at it in the moment, like you said, is very important. Looking at the character of the person is very important. But another to expand upon this point, there's a difference between making a dirty play to injure somebody and starting a fight. I think of more dirty plays is where the guy didn't have a chance to defend himself. If instead, like, you get up and push a guy, he gets back, and now you're yelling at each other, and one of you throws a punch, that's that's different. That's yeah. starting a fight, in which case you both have equal chances in that fight. So I don't consider people that fight people to be dirty players. I consider people that take out defenseless position players or things of like that. Again, my big one was some guys jumping in midair, and you push him. That is extremely, extremely dangerous. That is a dirty play with the intent to injure somebody or just blatant stupidity, which I also hate. So that's where I would kind of draw that line in terms of if you want to injure somebody and then you go ahead and start a fight so that the guy can actually stand up and it's mano y mano, whereas a dirty play to kind of take someone out is a complete cheap shot and it has no place in sports. Yeah. I, like I said, it is it is play by play basis, and you can kind of tell like when one's happening when the other. That's yeah, I think that's the line. You brought up Kelly Olynyk earlier, and it made me think this. I kind of just smiled myself, but man, I fucking hate Kelly Olynyk. <laughs> is it because of the Kevin Love thing that he brought up, or no, no? It's purely because when I play two K, like NBA two K on my PlayStation, I swear to God, I don't know how how it happened, like, but I every year for like six years in a row, I'd make my my player load onto a team somehow Kelly Olenek is on the team. Even if in real life he's not actually on that team, he's somehow on it. And did that scrub always get minutes with my team? Absolutely. Did he sell every single one of my lobs and just steal all my rebounds? Absolutely. Kelly Olenek has done nothing to me personally, or even real Kelly Olenek has done nothing that's made me angry. Video game Kelly Olenek has made me hate him. Best team to play for in my career was in 2021, the Nuggets. You play as a shooting guard. You've got Jamal Murray, never misses a wide-open three. Michael Porter Jr. never misses a wide-open three. You've got Jokic, who gets every freaking rebound and catches every pass you throw at him and also will pass to you. And Paul Millsap, who makes every mid-range jump shot he takes. They were the best team, and I will never let anybody say there's a better team to play for. I think this year, the Pelicans, if you're a point guard, because lobs lobs are king in, uh, in yeah. 2K. Like, if you just throw lobs, it's so easy for a player to go up there and get it. On the Pelicans, because there's no injuries. If you just load in, you have Zion, you have Larry Nance, you have Jackson Hayes, you have Jonas Valanciunas. Jonas Valanciunas is not really a lob threat, but you can still throw him to centers. But you've got three legitimate lob threats on your team that you just call a pick and roll, and you throw them, and they're putting it down. Like, I don't care. Like, I could put up 55 assists in a game all from lobs before the half before halftime. Like, and I'm not kidding. If you play 12-minute quarters, I've thrown some lobs where Zion's catching this ball. He's cocking it back all the way where, like, he, he his hand is hitting his ass. He's got the ball in his hands. He's got two dudes, like, underneath him. And then he gets his nipples at the rim and, like, honey dips the thing in game. It's just unreal. But And then every time, this is kind of just, like, a funny thing. But I swear to God that every game I, they call him a rhino with a jetpack. <laughs> it's a weird description, but like but he, pl- he plays like it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I was make you were making this point about Kelly Olynyk from your video games. So I'm gonna bring up a little topic for us. 
who was like you can have one, two, maybe three guys from playing vid- like sports video games as a kid. I don't care which one that you just were hated, absolutely hated. So mine, I have really just one, and it's Rodney Stuckey from when he was on the Pistons because I pl- I always played like seasons as the Pacers or whatever. And the Pistons were always in the same league as the Pacers. For some reason, going back to like 2K13, Rodney Stuckey didn't miss. The guy would always have 36 points on me. And I'd like put Danny Granger, Paul George, George. I've tried every single, like, they were all good defenders. Lance Stevenson, Evan Turner, it didn't matter. I put them all on this guy. And he just would always drop 30-something points on me. And he wasn't that good. I hated the guy. And then he went and played for the Pacers, and I didn't know how to feel about it, but. So I don't, I don't actually have a list, but when you brought up Kelly Olenek, like I have this person in my head. I cannot think of his name, but in MLB The Show, this guy, he's a pitcher. He always shuts me out. Like I, I cannot like figure him out to say like at all. Like, and granted, like I'm a terrible player. Like I have my PCI all the way down all the time, like swinging it, like it's playing golf. Yeah, you're just slamming it, yeah, swinging yeah, underneath. Yeah, and I'm like, I cannot figure this guy out. I can't think of his name, and I really hope I can. But like on the opposite of that, the person that I like love, JB Wendelkin. No idea who he was until I started playing this game, and like I, I traded for him because he was pitch like mix was, pitch mix was always nasty. Yeah, he like five pitches. Like I, I was I was getting tired. Like I kind of have a super team that probably shouldn't exist with the Cardinals. Like I have Trevor Story, I have Nick Castellanos, I have uh, like obviously Arenado and Goldschmidt. But I traded for Wendelkin, and like he like he get me out of like um like bases loaded jams. Like he he was just so nasty for me. So like. That's kind of like a favorite player just from video game. Like I don't I don't know who he is. I don't know what team he plays for, but like I traded for him. He's done really good for me. Do yours, Troy, and then I've got the greatest like example of that, but I'll share it. So uh, this isn't really like I know we were kind of going under the radar players. I don't really have an under the radar player off the top of my head. Um, because I feel like when I play two K, this is this is the player I don't like is in two K. But what I feel like whenever I play, I'm like not very good at defense. But I swear to God, my players always play revolving door defense, which that's what I call it. They stand there, and then if someone gets by them, instead of sliding over to stop them, they spin like a revolving door to just let them through and then watch them take the bucket, which annoys the shit out of me. So there's so many people that do me up that just shouldn't. But one guy that for some reason always plays so much better, and he's a Hall of Famer, so he's really good, Yao Ming. Like obviously he's seven six insane lifetime against me in two K exhibition games probably an eighty five percent three point shooter. <laughs> I, like there was one game Cole and I were on vacation we played two K and this was like we've been playing the whole time and I I'm sweeping Cole at this point I'm talking so much shit and Cole's a shit talker so if like if he beats you once he will not let you hear the end of it. I got probably seventy five points dropped on me from Yao Ming he hit probably fourteen threes. Like, it, that's what it felt like. It might have been maybe, like, five, and I'm just exaggerating. But it felt like he hit so many threes. He hits, like, a step-back 35-foot jumper for the win at the buzzer. I was so pissed. The rest of the week, I didn't hear the end of it. Cole was just talking so much trash. I touched the PlayStation controller. You really want to play that again? After I kicked your ass with Yao Ming? So obnoxious. But then, back to a player that always I've done really well with. Austin, as a Cardinals fan, I bet you can appreciate this. Colby Rasmus. No shot. I don't know why. There was one year I just was kind of like, you know what? Let me just try to make a team and franchise that's really good, but I'm not going to just make like a like a god squad. I'm just going to get some under-the-radar guys, maybe guys I like, see how I can play with them. Traded for Colby Rasmus, and this wasn't even like MLB 10 whenever he was like actually pretty decent. It's probably MLB 14, last year, few years of the league. He hit three straight 40-bomb seasons, won like two MVPs, <laughs> and it was just out of the blue. Like, this guy's washed, probably – 
early 30s, about to be out of the league, and then he just ha- goes ballistic for me and then goes on to be a Hall of Famer in my that is, franchise. That is awesome. And like that, the probably the last time I heard his name was when I played those franchises and he was on my team. So me, this is a hilarious coincidental story somehow. So this is 2K either 13, I think it's I think it's 14. No, so 13. Brandon Rush is on the Indiana Pacers. I play with the Pacers a lot. I play a lot of my friends. I'm better than a lot of my friends. My scrubs go in the game. I get a lot of minutes with Brandon Rush. I know the guy. I see him. I've got, I, like, my public library had, like, little, like, like flyer thingies of each player. And, like, obviously it wasn't, like, a, they didn't sign it, but it, like, had their signature on it. And I thought those were so cool when I was little. Like, I got Paul George and all sorts of, but I had a Brandon Rush one. And so, whatever, play with the guy, know his name, know him as a guy, whatever. 2K14, I'm starting to get into, like, Warriors fandom. I really like the way they play. I got them in my 2K draft, so this was, like, David Lee was their best player. But I see on the bench, hey, Brandon Rush, I I know that guy. I remember him because I didn't know anything really about the Warriors yet. I was just getting into that team. So I, like, had kind of known Steph a little bit. I'm pretty sure Jared Jack, like, started over Klay Thompson at one point. Like, this, Draymond was, like, a 60 or something. Like, this This is not the same Warriors team that you think of. But I'm like, oh, okay. And then I, like, look at the little, like, stat thing that's up there, and I see A plus 3. And I'm like, oh, boy, Brandon Rush, here we go. So I'm like, well, shoot, we're just going to start him over Steph. I'm not force-feeding the guy. Guy happens to get, like, six threes in the first game play another game with the Warriors again Brandon Rush has like eight threes in the game again not force feeding him he just makes these shots I had his timing down perfectly whatever so it's a joke between me and some of my friends from back home every time I played I always started Brandon Rush no matter who I would find what team he played for and especially back when we'd always like go play old ones every once in a while for fun and I had nicknamed him the Beast Brandon Rush and then every time I shot I just scream in my friend's face the Beast Brandon Rush and then cash like every single time like I had like the last time I played 2K14 was like last year because I just pulled out my 360 for fun to play some of the old ones. I had 42 with Brandon Rush and like six with Steph and four with Clay. Like I was just, I intentionally tried to feed him. But again, I beat my friend by like 30 points because of Brandon Rush. So I had this, this big joke with Brandon Rush, whatever. Well, so I worked at a basketball facility in Indianapolis. Um, I went there when I was little. They do a lot of like coaching and developing of young people, whatever. Um, Indiana Basketball Academy, shout out Andrew White, coach, and Tom Abernathy, the big IU guy from the 77 undefeated team or 76. So they, like, run the place or whatever. Well, I'm working camp one day, and all of a sudden there's some kid that comes in and his little brother, um, it's Braylon and Buddha, and they walk in or whatever, and the coaches are all hyping these little kids up or whatever. Just That's what they always do. But these guys, they were hyping up a little bit more than usual. And so then I go and I'm talking with one of the other camp counselors that was there. He's like, hey, do you know who those two kids are? I'm like, no. He's like, those are Brandon Rush's kids. Do you know who that is? I'm like, that's the Beast's kids. So I got to coach my man, the Beast, Brandon Rush's little kids in camp. I'm like running plays for them and stuff during our scrimmages. And so that was just hilarious. I'm like, there's no way. Brandon plays like overseas now. So like his wife brought the little kids over Aww. to play or whatever for things. So I didn't get to meet him. But I'm like, dude. I was like even telling the kid, I'm like, before you were born, I was your dad was my favorite 2K player of all time. And then he's just, like, cracking up because he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. My dad wasn't that good. And I'm like, nah, you don't get it. This guy yeah. was special. So 
that was a that was a fun day for me because I'm like I gotta coach the kids of my favorite 2K player of all time. So, uh, going off your point where you said you put up like 42 points with Brandon Rush, that's exactly how I play 2K. Like I will go in and tell my friends I'm only scoring with this guy and I will not take a shot with anyone else. And like I'm I'm pretty solid at 2K. The problem is I only play as the point guard, so I have to have someone that can dribble and shoot. So like I'll just I'll ISO and then try to just break him down and then I'll drive and make layups or hit threes. But this is completely uh, this that AI is my guy. Uh, is who I normally play with. But this is going off of someone that's unexpected. I don't even play with this dude. But back in probably I think it's two K fourteen was the first two K that was on PS four. Uh, I just gotten it two K two K fourteen was the only game I had. I played for the Suns. Otto Porter Jr. I th- I traded for him. Like requested a trade. Once you got like a certain rapport with your team, you could like influence team moves. I don't know what it was. But this dude was insane. Wilt Chamberlain's son, grandson, whatever, one of his long-lost relatives, this dude was putting up Wilt Chamberlain numbers, and I don't know how. It would, I, Like I said, wasn't even playing with him. Like I'd be throwing this dude lobs. He's throwing down like between-the-legs lobs in the game, shooting 75% from three. Like This dude, I turned him into an All-NBA player, and I, it wasn't even like I was doing anything. I felt like Chris Paul was DeAndre Jordan. It was unreal. Like I've never seen anyone just – blow up like that. I mean, I know Tuka has a lot of guys famous for that, but like I never see Otto Porter get mentioned for that, which is a shame. So along the same line, just because we're talking about video games, I do not have an answer for this because I do not play a lot of sports video games. Like I do now, but they're all 2021. So like I don't have, what was your favorite year? I Like you both play 2K. What has been your favorite year of 2K? 13. It's not close. 19. Seven. So 19 was meh. 17 was better than 19. I was ass at 2K in 17, so, like, I made a point guard mm-hmm. that was, like, I think I, this was back whenever you could make, like, six, nine point guards that were just demigods could do anything, but I wasn't good at the game, so I made, like, a point guard that was, uh, like, a three-point shooter, and then my friends and I also all made point guards, so we'd be running, like, five on five, five PGs, I can't shoot worth a lick, so we're out here just getting our asses handed to us, and I'm out here, like, three boards, five assists, three points, one of ten from the three-point line, and it's I'm like, this shit sucks, and then I finally learned how to play. Like two years later, that's that's why 19 is my favorite because it's really the first year that I knew what I was doing, so I actually like got better and better, and then the game at, gameplay was actually still fine. So 13 was my favorite because one, the soundtrack is phenomenal. Jay Z like was in charge of doing the soundtrack, so the soundtrack's great. Two, the announcers were way better back then. Like they'd actually get hyped about stuff. Now they're just like, you do like a normal like one hand and like fast break, just like little dump and dunk. They go nuts. You do like a 360 off the backboard dunk, and it's like. And LeBron throws down another dunk. And it's like, but the announcers back then, it was like Clark Kellogg and Steve Kerr and all them. And so they were way more fun to listen to. But then also they had the 2012 USA team and the Dream Team with Charles Barkley, which Charles Barkley is not in 2K. because He, he only lets himself be in the games with the Olympic team. With teams. the Olympic team. So Charles Barkley, you got to play with Charles for the first time. But that 2K, they didn't have the shot meter. So you actually had to like figure out how your guys' timing are. So you like had to spend way more time learning your team and free throws. No free throw lines. You had to like or no free throw meters. You had to like really master their types of shots. And that game was just so much. The sprite dunk meter where like it ranked your dunk intensity. Like oh man, that was so. The vertical meter where Jeremy Lamb got like a forty-three inch vert dunk and And LeBron's never breaks twenty or something. And it would like show the highlight of the dunk and it would break out the ruler (laughs) and it would slowly like rise up. There were a few things I remember that. That year they had the celebrity games in it. You could play Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber, and Bow Wow and all (laughs) that. Yeah, that's awesome. Thirteen was. My favorite by far. And there was some glitches in there. I remember I used to do the dunk contest all the time. You could, like, put out props and you could jump yep, over them. I played yep. it on the Wii, actually. Yep. But 
I played that all the time. And the funniest part was every time you do a dunk contest, you would win. And it'd be like a bonus round. Like, oh, who's this? Who's this? And like the MC's going crazy. And Tracy McGrady would pull up, <laughs> which 2K13 T-Mac, why the fuck's he in a dunk contest with you? Like, yeah. So and you're like, oh, my God, T-Mac. And the funny part was all the time it was supposed to be like him rolling up in this car. Like he's just he's just pulling up. But I don't know if it was my Wii or my disc or something, but it was always glitched. So he would come in floating like he's on the invisible <laughs> boat mobile. So like, oh, who's this? And you can clearly see T-Mac just floating <laughs> down the street. And they're like, oh, my God, is this who we think it is? Whose car is this? And it's just hilarious because they're hyping it up so much. And you just see T-Mac just like in the backseat floating like for 10 seconds coming down the street. It was hysterical. Oh, my God. That was amazing. So you brought up soundtracks. And, like, my, my obviously, NHL, I play NHL the most. But their their mechanics are dog shit. They haven't changed a single thing for, like, nine years. And it pisses me off. NHL is mad. Or EA, right? Yeah. It's got to be EA. EA Sports fucking sucks. Yeah. yeah. Madden sucks ass. Yeah. That, so does that, no 2K. But, yeah. Oh, Madden 11 on the yes. Wii. Yes. Greatest video. Oh my god, yeah. That's that's my answer. That's my answer. That is my answer. Is that the one with Palomalu and Fitzgerald or is that Peyton Hillis? No, Peyton Hillis is 12. That was uh, Drew Brees. Drew Brees. Okay, I got that. You just unlocked a childhood memory for me. I appreciate the call your shot or like click one and then you like draw the route you want every receiver to run. Yes. Yeah, I was a Colts fan in Indianapolis, so I I had the God Squad with like, so it was like what? Reggie Wayne, Tony Gonzalez, or not Tony Gonzalez, Pierre Garçon. Uh, some guy named Gals, um, Gonzalez, Dallas Clark, and you just run five Hail Marys and just yank it with Peyton. It's yeah. just a touchdown every time. Dude, I'm so glad you brought that up. That is my answer. Yeah. Like, that, that is so good. But going back to what I was going to say, like, soundtracks, like, NHL mechanics suck. They've been nailing the soundtracks recently. Like, I'm, I'm a, uh, I listen to a lot of hev- heavier music, and they, they, like, nailed that down. Um, so I just that I soundtracks do a lot for me, especially in those sports games. I think soundtracks uh, for sports games peaked back in like 2018 because before they would get a good mix, like they would get like heavier really? stuff. They might get some throwback stuff. They'll have some unknown stuff. But then if you listen listen to stuff now, like my favorite artist of all time is XXX Tentacion. In like 2K21, they had like four songs from X. I'm like, dude, I love X so much. But why the hell am I playing three on three and I'm listening to like listening to Moonlight and I'm like, dude, this is not what I was expecting to listen yeah. to. Like, it, you, there are songs that I've never heard before, never heard since. The only time I've ever heard it dude. is in the soundtrack, and they're iconic. Like, the I could sing them all the so time. Bad though, like. I mean, I think it started in, like, 17 when 2K got all... Like, that's when they started... They did, like... They tried to, like, be, like, a global soundtrack. So you got, like, songs from, like, Spain and Japan. And, like, I'm like, these are horrible. I don't... I don't One, I don't understand them. Two, I've never heard them before. But three, like, why? Like, I just don't get it. Yeah. And then you, like, try and go into the soundtrack and you can, like, select which songs you actually want to be on your soundtrack. And then it'll still play the ones you don't want. I'm like, this is yes. just, this is horrible. Yeah. But then, yeah, when you like run, you're like trying to play like modes or whatever, like practice modes or things, or just even just run around or in the main menu where you're like trying to like fix some numbers or make, making trades and stuff. And it has the songs going on, and they're just so bad. The thing that sucks too is like it's it there's fifty some odd songs in the game, and like you said, it doesn't take those out. But it, it picks three songs you hear nonstop. Yeah. Like, it'll play 50, but then it's like it's like there's 65 tracks, and then one of them shows a 50. Well, because they play, like, the same just... one at the start loading, like, every single yeah. time. And so then, like, you're going into your game mode during that one song, so you basically only hear that one song every time you get into it, which is just, ugh. And now NBA, like, 2K, they have uh, talent searches where you can send in your, your music, 
and you can get it added into the game. Which, I mean, yeah, it's a good idea, but at the same time, like, they're trying to do it at the beginning of the year as well. So, like, they'll add people as the year goes on, but then at the beginning of the year, they're trying to find unknown artists, which before you're adding in pop and maybe, like, some stuff that's, like, artists might still be known, but it's a more lesser-known song. Now it's like, I gotta hear rappers like Lil Wind XP, and it's some dog shit, like, like <laughs> Porta Potty Freestyle 4, and it comes <laughs> in and it sucks. I'm like, dude, why is this in my game? Yeah. Am I, like, hallucinating, but, like, wasn't there a game that, like, you can, like, actually import your own, like... Soundtrack and it'll like, be the show used to have that. Okay, NBA, that's NBA Jam on the phone has that. Really? Yeah, you can go into it and you can like click like settings, audio, and then like link your iTunes account. Because I I feel like that's like I know you'd probably be losing money because you're partnering with all these artists to get their game in or their song in the game, but I feel like that's just a, a wasted opportunity to not have. But I don't they know. may actually not make money from that though, because like if especially when they're trying to use like the top artist songs, they probably have to pay them to put it in their That's game. That's true. Like obviously those young dudes that no one knows or no one cares about are probably paying to get into the game, but mm-hmm. for like if they want to like a Jay Z song, they're probably having to pay him actually to get their song in the game. So it might save them money. It, it also I, I don't know what the legal complications yeah, are. Yeah, I don't know how that works either. But no. one thing I think that they could do this is kind of uh, on the soundtrack, not kind of this is on soundtracks yet. Why are they not using TikTok? Because, like, there's so many times that I'll see some rapper post a song, and then I'm like, and it has, like, 15,000 likes or something on TikTok. And it's, I'm like, that's actually pretty good. And then I see some just other stuff, and I'm like, dude, this, this song sucks. Like, where do they find this? Like, they had to go into, like, the bowels of SoundCloud. 15 plays and under playlists, oh, and they're picking them. And I'm like, this, this other stuff is, like, this guy's got, like, 50,000 followers on TikTok. Like, I feel like it's a pretty good resource. And then some, sometimes there's a chance where it's, like, lesser known enough that the game can still like can still be like fit their parameters but so you can get someone known but also people still know it, so it's not like a what the hell is this yeah some of the some of the bands that i listen to now are like i listen to like from tiktok like they got mm. into my for you page i was like that's kind of sick like this is outside of sports one thing i hate is whenever you hear a song on tiktok so you're like okay cool like that's a pretty good song i'm gonna add to my playlist and then people shit on you like oh you only heard that song because of tiktok where does it matter? Why does it matter where I heard it? Yeah. I like the song and I listen to it. What's wrong with and that? That's like again, not sports, but like that's that's like stop gatekeeping. Like you want to get like, sure, it's cool to be like one of the first fans. Like you want to be original, but like you want your band to be known so you you can see them play like these arena shows. Like, what's the problem with that? I'm a gatekeeper. I'm that guy. Why? I make fun of people for picking up like the like especially like the main like TikTok sounds. Like if you start if if I'm sitting in someone's car and they start playing like a random song that literally only got popular because of TikTok and being in stupid TikToks, I'm gonna be like, bro, come on. Like if like yours is like, different. Finding yeah. bands in your for you page, that's different. Yeah. I mean there's some like what's the the dreams by Fleetwood Mac, the dude with the cranberry juice. Oh, and the skateboard. Well, that's a good song. But that was also a good song before TikTok. It just got overplayed because of TikTok. And uh, so it, it also kind of depends on my friend, like some of my friends that are maybe not as accustomed and cultured in the older music like myself start playing that in their car. I'll be like, bro, you just found that because of TikTok. But my friends that know the song, if they play, I'll be like, hey, good song choice, guys. Yeah. So it also kind of depends on the person because I like Guardians of the Galaxy has pissed me off because now everybody knows like the what's the Valley song or whatever. Uh, uh, hey, hey. Yeah, like, but like yeah, things like yeah. that, like these older songs that like I know because I actually pay attention to music. But now all these people are like, "Hey, I'm like I don't know retro songs," and then they literally only play the Guardian the Galaxy soundtrack. I'm like, "Bro, come on, come on, man." <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can agree with you there. Like that, that is something like okay, 
Like you can tell. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, your case is different. Like finding actual like artists that like match your music choice and that kind of stuff is completely different than just looking at the like five most famous TikTok sounds. Yeah. And just saying I'm just gonna put these songs in my playlist. I'm like, no, those are. I don't. I don't mind it if you like the song because you're just trying to listen to what you like. One thing I don't. I I think is dumb. Where is it? Like, dude, listen to the song I just found today. I'm like, yeah, I found that 42 times in my for you page today. Like, I, I see it constantly. Like, it's the number it's one every trending other sound. Video, every other video on my for you page, Dan. Right now is that one Cupid song where it's like I'm feeling lonely. I don't. I haven't gotten that I one. I don't have TikTok. So oh I don't damn. Know. Well, it's it's good for everywhere. You. No, no Evan. Good for you. I know. Good for you. I'm not falling. I deleted Instagram. I stay off the rabbit hole. I get on like once a month to see if anybody messaged me on Instagram. I'm. T- I do. It's I a do. good life, dude. Yeah. I save so much time that all everybody else is like spending on that kind of stuff. Like, so for me, my biggest thing. I still spend way too much time on my phone. Mm-hmm. But I was spending, especially for a while there, way too much time on Instagram, and I was like, you know. I need to just get rid of this, and if I'm gonna be on my phone wasting my time, then I'm gonna play like games on my phone instead. Yeah. So now I've kind of like shifted, but I also am spending way less time on my phone now. So the song that like the TikTok that has that sound though, I'm trying to see if I can pull up TikTok and find one because it's it's kind of a catchy song. But the thing that get that cracks me up is the template is uh, John Cena. So it's like POV yes. doing this. He's got a headset on, and he's like. He's, yeah. kind of, he's kind of bobbing his head and he's looking around like smiling at people. It's funny because it's just like you never see John Cena act okay. like that. See, so see, that cracks me up. When you named the song, I didn't know what the hell you're talking about, but you named that template mm. of John Cena. Like, yeah, okay, I've seen those. Like, I've only seen that John one Cena. once, and it was because they said that's how Jack dances. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that sounds about right. I'll pull up the song here. Like we can, if it'll load. While you're pulling that up, I'm gonna also make a little shout out slash dog on somebody so in fiji there's a guy named matthew ford who we make fun of we call him bron because the guy is like he's more of a bron sexual than cole is if that tells you anything but in 2k this would have been 20 either 21 or 22 i was playing matthew in 2k i beat him by 80 points in one game so that's horrible Sorry, Troy's just getting into the song over here while Evan's talking. And then, but the other time, I dropped 108 points with Diana Tarazi on him on WNBA 2K. So, I just had to make sure I got that shout out. Diana Tarazi and Brandon Rush are my two best 2K players of all time. All right, here's the song. I was doing the, uh, I was putting it up to my ear, trying not to get it to the mic, but I was doing the John Cena dance. Here it is, if you've heard it. Yeah. I've never heard this before. And the you funny think part this is, is a good song? We, no, I didn't say it's good. I said it's catchy oh, because okay. like it plays that one little part. So now but, it's gonna be so, stuck in my head for us today, and yes. I'm gonna be like, yeah. So like I don't Damn listen. It, Troy. I don't listen to it, but it's funny because every time I see, it, I kind of just smile because it's like John Cena getting Cena. really into it. He's in he's in a suit and everything. Like he just looks like he's loving life so much, and you know that's not the song that yeah. he was listening to when he did that. But they just what, play it. What was the song? I, mean, I haven't seen uh, the clip until this thing. Like I honestly don't know, but the, I think the video is a few years old, and that Cupid song is relatively new. So I mean. I, against odds, maybe it is what he was listening to, but that'd be really funny if it was. I won't lie. I would love that. We've but, gone so far off the Oh, my God. Yeah, we, we were <laughs> we had so many things planned today, and then we just kind of – now here we are talking about TikTok sounds. Yeah. Which, I mean, you know, I feel like we get off topic. It's pretty on brand for us. I, mean, yeah. I feel like that's something we do. I think we'd make it enjoyable, so. I hope so. It's good, good entertaining time. It's important. We were talking about, like – Sports video games. At least it's not completely off topic. We slowly get there. It's not yeah. like we're like, 
So, yeah, Danilo Gallinari used to be a stud back when he played. So, guys, TikTok sounds. Like, it's not like we have horrible segues. We just slowly get more so, yeah, and more Yeah, the Lakers are up 3-1. Warriors-Kings are tied. Speaking of Danilo Gallinari, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going there. I, that's one guy I do hate watching. I've always hated him. Watching or, like, 2K? Watching. Oh, okay. I don't know what it is. I just can't stand the guy for some reason. So, oh, my God. Okay, I th- all right. I know this was a while ago. It was off the track. Oh, my he God. He did it. He it, did it. No, no. It, it might be coming back. I had, like, a glimpse of it there, and then it fell right back out. Oh, my God. That was, oh. like, deja vu. Hold on. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to, like, channel my spirits. I'm going to have to, like, rub my temples or something. So, Evan, how was your day <laughs> while he's doing this? I lost it. It's gone. Damn. I need a crystal ball or something. Oh, I thought you did it. I thought you did it. I really thought I did. I shouldn't have got so excited. It's like the sneeze yeah. when you're like, yeah. you're, oh, I, get, I know I'm about to sneeze, and then you don't sneeze. It's the same thing. That's oh, the I worst. got it. It's, it's like right there, and then it, it's the worst because then you feel like you have to sneeze okay. for five what minutes you, and it's just like tickles. What are your thoughts when someone says like "bless you"? Like they know you're gonna sneeze, like "bless you," and then like goes away. Have you? Uh, it's actually like worked like a, a couple. Pre- of times. A preemptive bless yeah, you. Yeah, really. It's actually worked like against me. I've a couple not of been times. around this. I'm always like the guy because mine just hit me. Like I don't yeah. have like that like weird face and like you're winding up and getting there. Mine are just sitting, 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 and then just yeah. the boom. And so then everybody gets the bless you. Yeah. Afterwards. See, uh, the other day I was working on a project with uh, one of my friends in uh, like a video production class. Her name's Maya. She's on the soccer team. One of the goalies. Uh, I was about to sneeze, and she kind of did the preemptive thing. But instead of saying "bless you," she said something really—I don't remember what it was—but it was. I think this is like something her family does or one of her friends, because she mentioned that she's done it before. But she just said something super off the wall that I was like about to sneeze. I was like, "Wait, what did she just say?" And it stopped me. And she was like, "See, it worked." And I'm like, "Well, I guess that's fair." I do not remember what she said, but she said you can do that, or you can stare up into the light. Like if you feel you're about to sneeze, you just stare directly at the light, and it's supposed to make it go away. I don't know if those are. Uh, Placebos, that's the word. Don't know if those are placebos or not, and it's just you say it works, so you believe it, and let's it does. Just, let's just throw in this disclaimer. Any light does not mean the sun. Do not stare into the sun when you're outside and about to sneeze. I think that's actually the perfect one. Like, just get outside, actually. If you're about to sneeze, just run yourself, out. yourself, you won't sneeze. I promise. Stare directly into the sun. It's fantastic for your corneas. I'll scientifically prove this. As a bio major, I will go. This will be my research assignment for the summer. If you blind yourself in the sunlight, will you not sneeze? I think that vitamin D is very important, and it, it's more important for your for your eyes as well. Uh, if you guys are looking, is vitamin vitamin A is for your eyes. That's the carrots. No, vitamin D is also for your eyes. I heard actually. Okay, I heard it on this podcast. What um, was the podcast? Yeah, but U V light U V light is not good for your eyes, Troy. Uh, well, uh, that's up for debate. Is hold on? Is vitamin what type of food gives vitamin D? I was about to say oranges, but that's vitamin C. That's C. Carrots is A. I I, I don't eat healthy. I don't get this. Bananas or bananas B. That's potassium. K, is K. that like what's well? That they have. They, well, that's they potassium, also have but is, I didn't know if that like what the vitamins C, were. Vitamin I was C. about to say if you need vitamin D for your eyes, just go ahead and just dump some orange juice right on in there. Oh, but that's okay. Not the right eggs, vitamin. eggs, milk, and salmon are vitamin D. Vi- yeah. Oh yeah, that's shit. What am I saying? All right, guys. You know if you need some vitamin D for your eyes, go ahead. Pour some milk right on in there. You heard it here first. So we're talking. We're talking about the sunlight again. Super off to- topic, but we had that total eclipse. What was that? Twenty seventeen. Were you guys in an area that saw like the total eclipse? Or yes, yeah. my entire high school went outside and yeah. sat on the baseball field and we watched it. I didn't get it. the glasses though. I missed out on the glasses, so, so I had to do the shoebox thing. Really? I didn't get to like actually look at it. So yeah, like. <laughs> I wonder how many people like didn't have the glasses and looked and right at it and just blinded themselves. Yeah, probably a lot. 
people are dumb. Because like my my mom was like super worried about that. Like she shared Facebook posts with me all the time. Like you probably shouldn't look in the lunar eclipse even with the glasses. Like or not lunar eclipse, but the eclipse even with the glasses. Like this is a once in a lifetime uh, opportunity. I probably shouldn't, but I'm gonna. Yeah, right. You, actually, yeah. you can with the glasses because. I'm yeah. not going to get into the science. It polarizes light, moves it around Which, so you can't see certain things, and I, then it protects your eyes. I probably shouldn't have done this, but I think you can do it when it's, like, in totality. So, like, I when, when it Without was, Without the like, glasses? Yeah. Ooh, so you're not supposed to because... So the whole point of that is that there's, like, an aura around the sun, which mm -hmm. you can see. That's, like, kind of that yeah. white thing around it. That still damages your eyes, but it isn't a intense enough light to make your eyes like water and be like, Oh, I can't look at this, but it still will damage your eyes. It's not like I stared at it. Like I, I just, no, you like, can like do that. It's yeah, no different than looking at the then, sun. Like yeah. you can just glance this at the sun real quick. Or like when the sun's setting, if there's kind of a cloud cover, you can stare at it and be like, Oh man, that thing is a real circle. Yeah. But, I remember nothing about the eclipse. I just remember that our high school went outside. I feel like yeah. if I go right. back, like I could probably remember a few things like about that day because I've got like a really like weird memory. I can remember specific events that just are not important. But then going up to something that's actually important, I feel like I black out. Well, during the event. important event, Troy was probably looking at his phone. And was like, "Oh, someone just got traded in the MLB. Oh, I missed it. If that's probably likely. What? The thing that was probably more likely is that lunar my eclipse kills thousands. <laughs> <laughs> MLB season canceled. My my friends were probably all outside with me because the whole school went out there. But we split up on sides. So it was like depending on the side of the school you were on, you went out like one of the parking lot, one of the baseball field behind the school. But my friends were probably all out there. We were probably just messing with each other, and then I just forgot actually looking at it. See, I, you said the shoebox thing. You mentioned the glasses. I have no idea. Like I straight up thought I just looked at it, what? and so you guys said you couldn't. I'm like, oh, I probably didn't do that then. So this is the first time. What is the shoebox thing? Did you just like so you would basically just cut a little slit in the shoebox and then cut open a little part of the outside one, so you let the light shine in through the slit, and then you could basically see in, the, or you do a cereal box, and then you'd look in through the open slit that you'd like have your head behind so that light wouldn't go in that way. And then you could literally just see the outline of the sun with the thing, the aura around it. Nice. See, I thought you were just using the, like the boxes, like like binoculars. Yeah, or something. Just like, at it. Just, that's what I was thinking. Like, like, <laughs> that's what I thought. You can I'm see like, through the cardboard, but it doesn't damage. Your <laughs> just a. It was, it was just, the placebo. It was yeah, the placebo. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what it was. It was like you're just holding up a whole ass shoebox. <laughs> just like, so do you see it? Yeah, yeah, totally. Hey, Bill, are you, were you were you thinking like you had like flipped the lid up and completely block it, and you were looking through the cardboard? I was thinking you like open a both ends of a cereal box and put it up like they were glasses and just like look through. Do like it, the, the, the toilet roll tubes and you're just yeah, like binoculars yes. looking yes. at it's it. One of, it's one of those That's like what I thought. Son, did you see it? Yeah, I did, but why can't I see anymore? <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome until I couldn't see. Why do I can, why, why do I cannot see? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! This is production Troy here. We're trying to edit right now. File size is going to be too large, so we're splitting into two. This is the end of episode six. Episode six and a half will be out just in just a second. Thank you. Hey. Hey.